0: The information and opinions contained in this podcast are completely from the individuals at the point of recording. It does not reflect the views of the organisations and employers past, present and future. It is for information and entertainment purposes only. The producers make no representation or warranty as to its adequacy, completeness, accuracy or timeliness for any particular purpose and it is not necessarily indicative of the future or likely performance. UNCOOL is recorded on Audio-Technica mics. We are back again with more UNCOOL where it's cool to be uncool. And this year in 2022, we procrastinated and waited like four months to make this new episode. And we just decided, you know, what's the topic that's on everybody's mind? So we decided to talk about money. So, if you're just joining us for the second episode, do go back and listen to our first episode because this is a two-part series where we are talking to Deborah Tang, actress, real estate agent, and hustler extraordinaire. I've
1: been like self-employed slash freelance, sometimes both at the same time for about no, sometime for about fifteen years. Probably longer. But you know, I think Debra, even longer. How many years, Debra?
2: Yeah, I think for me, it's probably like 20 years. But in between, I had gone into full-time employment, like when I needed to buy an HDB flat. I went to full-time employment for a period of time so that I can get my mortgage. Um, I mean, get a bank loan and all that kind of stuff. As
1: so many people do for two years and they want to give up, really. That's true. <laughs> so, so, so actually, Debra, how, how have you survived on the last 20 years? What tips do you give to, our, 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 to all our listeners out there who ah uh, you know freelancers and maybe thinking ah oh, man can i do this for even another year or oh, so on
2: i think maybe it's um it it depends on the individual. So in the sense that you know the family is able to provide for them, even oh, that's if they helpful. don't. Yeah, that helps, right? <laughs> yeah. If you're born in a rich family, and you don't and you've got like a trust fund behind you. You don't need I to worry to about. That. <laughs> that's only in a
0: Singaporean and a, maybe a Asian context, right? No, that, yeah.
1: Well, that's because they use the trust fund to buy bitcoins. <laughs> I,
0: I yeah, don't even know Damn, they know damn how the to bitcoins! So. <laughs> damn
2: the bitcoins! Why didn't I buy them when they first launched? <laughs> Coming back to your question, Sean, so I think it helps a lot if you've got like some kind of money coming in to help you so that you don't need to worry about money so that you can focus on your passion, whatever that passion might be. Um, For me, I, I am not lucky enough to be born with a silver spoon in my mouth and with a trust fund behind my back and uh with a you know with, with with a with a blank check essentially so i do need to worry about money i do need to think about how can i make this viable one well,
1: of the concerns also i mean when you talk about you know besides having a job is of course having having a place to stay uh and so having all that needs uh so of course i i think when you so as freelancers it's very, always very scary it's like since you're well, both a freelancer and you're also a real estate agent, uh, what would you say then to freelancers out there? What what, what can they do or what should they do?
2: I think you shouldn't be scared and you should really confront it and face it because it is a really important thing to think about. Um, uh, for And having a roof over your head is really a basic need. So you really need to make sure that you have that sorted out before you go and pursue your passion. doesn't mean that you have to do one and not do the other. You can do both concurrently. The first thing that I'll say for you to do is to talk to somebody. If having a roof over your head is something that is important to you, if you're not still living with your parents or if you want to actually go out and buy your own house, And buying your own house is actually um, very useful in many ways. Even if you're not staying in it, you can actually rent it out and generate passive income. And that becomes your steady stream of income that will free you to be able to go and pursue your passion. So even if you actually are staying with your parents, right? If you are able to buy your own um, HDB flat, able to buy your own condo, that if you're like below 35 and not married, your other option is to actually buy uh, private property, right? So if you're able to do that, I would say go and do it because that will actually help you a lot with giving you passive income if you're able to rent it out or even if you are renting a place, right? I, I know some people who actually um, rented a, a very large apartment, condo or, or whatever and they have uh the landlord's Uh, approval, agreement for them to actually uh, rent out the other rooms. And some of them are actually able to live rent-free that way because they would like rent out their other rooms and make up for the money and sometimes maybe they have to pay just a very small amount or some even make a little bit of money from actually renting out those other rooms. So it depends on also your location, depends on who your agent is who can help you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but, but psychologically, though, how do you get, how do you prepare yourself for that? Because you did say it's difficult. So psychologically, what we about you advise them, Deborah?
2: Okay, I think the first thing you might want to do is to talk to a banker to know how much money you have, how much can you leverage. Because for if you're gonna buy um a property, you can. I mean, if you want to buy like a building under construction, right? So like a uh, a new launch property, a new launch condo, um, there is always that minimum amount of down payment that you have to put out. And the beautiful thing about building under construction is that the down payment is the biggest amount that you have to put out. After that, when the building is still under construction, every month you only have to pay very little bit. And, and most of the time it's only a few hundreds until you take the key, until until the, the the building gets, you know, like closer to completion. Then the amount you have to pay becomes higher. But the beautiful thing is also when you actually uh uh take the key you are immediately able to rent out uh, uh, the your apartment and immediately able to generate income so i think for a lot of freelancers you have to get out of that mindset of living from hand to mouth and think about how can you generate income and in in a place like singapore where land is so scarce real estate is a really good way to generate uh income whether it's passive income whether it's for investment if you're talking about investment again you need to have to have that Horizon Reason, right in the past, you are able to flip your property really fast. You buy today, sometimes you flip the option. You don't even even you know pay uh, wait to completion, right? Uh, that's what that's in the past, right? But now the government has uh, put in something called the stellar stamp duty, which means that for the first. If you sell your property within the first three years, you would need to pay a amount of stamp duty, right? And it, it, it decreases with each year. So by the after the third year then you can pretty much sell the property without having Pay uh, any sellers' stamp duty, uh, but then again, that means you you must be able to hold that property for three years before you sell. And while real estate, um, the trend in Singapore, I'm quite bullish about the real estate in Singapore because if you look at the track record, the prices keep going up. In the past, right, being paying for more than like thousand five per square foot for a, um, a a a property property outside of the core central region, right? People would be like, wow, oh, that's too much money. Now, now like even um passeris is going for 2000 per square foot right so i mean honestly if you had bought your property at at, at 1000 or, or whatever back then um, if your any anyway, your property happens to be in a good location the chances of it actually appreciating is pretty high and I mean, I'm not saying that it uh, every property will make money. Not saying that at all. There are situations where you actually don't make much money. And depending on your um, how much loan you take, some people may actually even lose a bit of money, right? So... The, of course the the um, the more you're able to put out in terms of the down payment the lesser you will have to pay back in terms of your mortgage and also if you're a young person start early because when you have a longer horizon when you're you you, you can take you know um, a, a longer uh, a, a tenure to pay back right so um, and that would mean that every month your uh, what you have to pay back in terms of your mortgage is a lot lower and so you would, essentially, be able to buy a property without paying as much. And by the time you sell it, you don't need to have fully paid up your property. But 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 by the time you have so, you you sell it, hopefully the property would have appreciated, and you would have already
0: made money without having to pay
2: for the whole price of the
0: property. All this that you're saying right now, I wish I had listened to it like ten years before. <laughs> because it's never too late it's yeah, never too yeah. Late. Yeah. it's just that you know at, at this age I'm 30 plus right and a lot of people a lot of my friends around me have settled down and oh they have their own property whether or not they're living in it or they are renting it out you know of course there are different levels um, that uh, the people around me are at you know I see the younger ones who are coming out right now and I guess I see a little bit my, of myself in them as well where they are big dreams right? I don't want to you know we are talking about this in the previous episode where they don't, we don't want to work for money. you know it's driven by passion and it's it will it will last me through the day. Um, and it's only when you find out that passion cannot put a roof over your head, you know of course if you you find that you know you do what you love, people pay you great money for it. honestly, you're one of the very lucky ones. But in a more practical sense practical situation for the majority of us, we do have to be very smart about where we get our money from, how we plan. You do have to plan long term. These are not things that are left for the people in the red race, right? I would say. It is not just about that. It is not just about being materialistic. It is it is just practical. Right? You do have to in order to run, just survive, or in order to you take it one step further in order to drive your passion, you have to be comfortable in order to do that. If not every day, you're just thinking about where's my next meal going to come in from, right? And you're not going to be creative in any sense when you're in that situation, right? Right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean having that financial freedom actually will allow you to be able to focus on your passion. Like I said, first thing is to talk to your banker so you know how much money you have, what you're able to buy as far as real estate is concerned. Are you you may not be just limited to the HDB market, right? So you might actually be able to do uh to, to buy private property. You might you might actually be richer than you think you really are. So talk to a banker. And, um, yeah, and and see about... Because, I mean, there are a lot of very creative ways that you can, um, you can loan money. So, some people think that, oh, I don't have regular income and all that. And that's okay because other ways to loan money is uh, what we call uh, show funds. So, uh, some banks would actually loan you the money if you're able to show that you have a certain amount of money uh, in your bank for a certain period of time, right? Or, or sometimes they might want you to... Put that money some some amount of money in a FD for a period of time, whatever, and then they will loan you the money to help you actually get that property. And so, I mean, there are a lot of creative ways scary, around it. it? Huh? It's a bit
1: scary. It's a bit scary because you're like running on technically leverage, and and then you're getting interest on that. And so, yeah. I mean, you're getting interest rate on that leverage. Then if you don't have it, you don't have it. It's a bit like spending using money that you don't really have, and then. It, that could end actually quite badly as well.
2: Yeah, well, the way, I mean, the so you've got to really plan for it. So if you're actually buying a resale property, for instance, and you know that you are able to rent it out for a certain amount of money, which will more than cover perhaps, or even if it doesn't fully cover the amount of money you have to pay back every month, um, if let's say and and you you know that by the time you sell it you're able to make uh, a certain amount of money then it makes it makes sense so you got to think about it in the the long term kind of situation if your rent can actually cover your mortgage that is actually a really good situation already because you're sitting on um you know a very precious piece of asset. Uh,
1: I I like I like what you you keep emphasizing about thinking for the long term especially now in this generation you know they don't think long term I mean they they think very short term they think like. Oh, let, let me go rent this private jet, and then I'm going to take selfies in it for ten minutes, and then and then and then they don't need to own the jet; they're just very happy for that ten minutes to go and take selfies around for the Instagram. Eh, and but if you're
0: think thinking of okay. getting a buy rich the husband LV because back of that, after that. yeah, if <laughs> you're thinking of getting a rich husband because of you know no, from the ten well, minute jet. <laughs>
1: no, to, to me, I'm just <laughs> thinking. I'm just thinking. Why are you thinking of spending that money they have now to spend ten minutes in this private jet to take Instagram? Why don't you think long term and want to own the jet so that you can rent it to them to go take 10 minutes? that's the way.
2: That's the way, Sean. Yeah. That's how the money. You should be work. thinking. Yeah. Substitute that private jet for a nice landed property, or but, you know, okay, maybe not even but, landed like, Okay, landed quite expensive, but
1: no. But, <laughs> okay. You know, I, I I guess I guess the, the the question when I talked about jets and it's not about jets and property, but really, how do you and how do, you, how do you, have you encountered this type of dilemmas and? You know, uh, over in your long career with yourself, with your clients, and so on.
2: Mm. Well, Where I it, think, you know, um, in yeah, I mean, you're right. That a lot of the young people have a uh, very short term kind of like instant gratification kind of uh, mentality, and I would actually um, encourage people to think about delayed gratification. If you are able to delay that gratification, yeah, you know, I've got this sum of money instead of splurging this sum of money on this like luxurious holiday to, I don't know, some exotic place in the world, you know, that's think irrelevant
1: about, for the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: yes, but
2: yeah. People how who about are investing that yeah. money in something that will actually generate you income, so that you can actually go on a holiday, like you know, three times a year. Maybe not to so exotic place, but you actually have income that you don't that that's extra money for you. So um, yeah, I think you can totally plan for it.
0: So Deborah, you're all in the hustle, right? You uh, are also a property agent right now. And um, you also come from this creative field, so I'm not sure. Do you have clients from the creative field, and and what is their, I don't know. Basically, you might have had more encounters with people from freelancers, creative, and who are trying to find buy a property, right? Are they different from the you? Usual clients, yeah. I th- I think one of the things that I noticed about some of
2: these um, these freelancers is that because they hadn't planned for it, like some of them have actually their own company and they pay themselves very little money. And even though the company actually makes quite uh, good money, but they pay th- because they pay themselves so little, they cannot get a bank loan. When the bank want to loan you money, they want to see you know whether you're able to to pay back how much you're paying yourself and all that. And and also IRAs, even they want to buy an HDB flat, right? It's, it's, it's a bit tough because they are, they're paying themselves. Okay, la, for HDB, it's a little bit easier. La, but if you want to buy private property, um that becomes an issue. So basically, if you are planning to buy a property for the one year before, if you have your own company, make sure you pay yourself decently. Talk to a banker first, perhaps, you know, so that you could, you, you know, like, um, or, or come and talk to me. I can help you as well. Do a bit of simple financial planning. So for the one year at least before, especially if, as a freelancer, for the one year before, you want to make sure that your bank account shows a pretty healthy uh, income that you have. You pay, you're paying yourself decently be, uh, depending on what is the kind of property that you want to buy. So you have to plan ahead a little bit. And some people actually also have very self-limiting uh, mindset. They they keep thinking that, oh, I think all I can do is to buy a two-room um, uh, HDB flat. And they have no ambition to think beyond that. Actually, you know, maybe instead of buying a two-room HDB direct from HDB, maybe buy a resale, um, a more comfortable uh, apartment uh, resale HDB. So I mean the thing is a lot of people limit themselves. They think that oh I'm so scared. I'm so scared that I don't have uh, income coming but the thing is that if you if you buy uh, one of those like two room flats right which means you only have one bedroom right. You can't leverage on, on, on renting out any of the rooms but if you get a, a larger unit for instance then you can get at least that source of financial um, uh, uh, that stream of income you know to help you so you can always like maybe you get a larger apartment with maybe three bedrooms you can rent out two of the rooms so you could always have income coming in so because for a freelancer what's um i think always worrying for them is that oh what if i have no uh no job next month then how am i gonna pay yeah, my mortgage a, but that's that. fair enough yeah
1: it's fair enough i mean you don't want to sabot yourself in a sense but yeah, you know over committing
2: yeah, yeah. But if you know that, okay, I actually have a place that I can actually rent out and I will always have this this amount of money coming in, then in a way, even if you've got no job coming in, you know that at least that is taken care of.
0: You know, I, th- I think as creators, we're very different from some people. I mean, I know most people are like that, but I also know people who can stay in a job that they hate for the longest time. Oh... Right, you always hear that whenever you meet them, they're complaining about their jobs because yeah, but, I hate but, they but like but but it. I hate like so, colleagues. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't really like what yeah. I, I so I
2: don't believe in that. Yeah, I yes. mean, it's like yeah, be happy, life is short.
0: <laughs> but I've also seen people who they don't like it, but they stick to it. Right? Yeah, A lot of so, them
2: are, are forced by circumstance because they know that they have a mortgage that they have to pay every month so they cannot afford to lose the job. So yes. as much as they hate it, as much as they hate the bosses, whatever, the work, they will stick it up because they have to pay uh, that mortgage. So it's important to really think about how you can free yourself. I mean, to be honest, when you're buying a, a piece of real estate, the most, uh, the biggest amount of money that you, you need to put down is really your down payment. Especially if you're a first-time buyer, you are in a very good position because you you don't have to pay the exorbitant uh, ABSDs, which uh, which is additional buyer stamp duty. So if it's your first property, y- y- you're free from having to pay that. So you just need to worry about the basic stamp duty, which is not very much, you know, it's about... Um, Slightly below four percent, and then and the main bulk of your down payment, and your down payment will depend on um how much you can loan, and also depend on um the property, on how old you are as well. So yeah. But, but yeah, but
1: psychologically also that that's that's just not it, right? Because I mean, okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. The down payment is a is the probably largest sum, but beyond the down payment, yeah, people are thinking, oh, that's the next thirty years. Yeah.
0: Next... Like I'm tied down to something, right? I've not been tied down of things for I, very I'm long. I'll be like, spending like
1: four hundred months of installment <laughs> or something. How do you, how do you, you know, get over that that kind of work block in your in your mind? It okay, is, in it is our is parents' a real generation, I'm the first one to
0: say that it is. Yeah, it so is in what our, what our parents' needs.
2: generation, they actually yeah work to pay off that I don't know how many how many twenty years thirty years you know of of, of your um mortgage. They but make in our like generation, Yeah. Well, I mean, it it depends on how much you want to pay back every month. Like, if you want to pay back, like, you know, a big chunk every month, then. Yeah, pay back in three years if you can afford it. <laughs> so what I did was when I had a full-time job, right? So my, my place is fully paid up. Huh? Um so what I did was um when I, I made money, I, I will go and pay off my uh uh my loan. My loan, yeah. My yeah, loan, yeah. So so that it, it reduces, reduces. So within a, a much shorter time um I've managed to fully pay off my property and also I don't keep accumulating the the interest you know. Oh, yeah, that, when you that, that borrow can money and pay to. interest, huh? not yeah. free I mean, money. I've,
1: I've, <laughs> I've heard of people who like went out like one, like, the, a room or their place, all they do is like they just service their interest. And I'm like, There was the point.
2: Well, the point is, the point is, they're hoping to sell the place so that when they, when you sell the place, right, you will hopefully sell it for a much uh, higher amount of money. So, whatever rent that if they, the rent can actually pay your interest, actually, that's pretty good already. So that you're essentially uh, sitting on an asset and waiting for the asset to grow without having to pay for that asset because someone else is paying your for your for your interest.
0: So basically there are a lot of creative ways to, you know, get to where you want. And it is not it is not frivolous to think about. I would think it is it is not uh you know, you're not falling into the trap of the red race, which I think a lot of creators who want to step out of the red race or they don't want to it's work one in one the, or the, the other. Night of yeah, that's yeah. right. No, that yeah. you, you no, can it doesn't have to be. Yes, you you can basically have it good in both worlds, right?
2: Yeah, you just have to be brave enough to do it, and and to be smart, be brave enough to do it, and uh, and if you want to be a real estate agent like me, give me a call. I'm happy to talk to you and and guide you a little bit. Or if you want to buy a property, you know that was whatever.
0: my next question actually. Yeah, so
1: actually, if, how, how do you make this mid career switch? That what you or oh, rather. Concurrent sideways career switch because you are still acting. It's not. It's yes. a so uh, switch switch. But yeah, how do you do I'm this? i just side... like an octopus. Yeah.
2: I grew another arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
1: how, how how did you how did you actually do it in the middle? I don't know you uh, in the middle. Uh, however you want to put it. Yeah. <laughs> what drove you to it?
0: First of all, what drove you to it? I've then, never believed yeah. in having only a
2: single source of income because I've always felt like it's not viable to think that, you know, that this single source of income the tap will never dry up. So I've always had multiple streams of income. And so even when I was um I was acting full time uh, in the early days, I was still taking on interior design projects, and uh, and and even when I'm acting, I'm still doing corporate training, you know, and I'm still doing my life coaching, and of course my real estate as well. And so I always believe in having multiple streams of income and even within real estate right you don't want to only focus on one area you want to be able to diversify as well so that you are not like, maybe I'm just the sort of person that hate to feel trapped in any one thing so and the thing is that I think it enriches me as an actor because uh, my life experience is so much richer i've got there's so much more that i can tap on so much more i can bring to every role that i do because simply because I have lived it because I have I know what it's like I know what the hu- the hustle is like to be to live that life to be an agent to be an architect to be you know a consultant to be a life coach or whatever you know so I mean hopefully it, it actually makes me um, a more interesting person it makes me it helps me bring something more interesting to every role that I do as an actor
1: Introducing competition to you aside, what would you say then to, to those act, uh, you know, younger actors now right, who are thinking about maybe doing something like what you've done? What advice would you give them to take that first step?
2: Well, okay, I would say that If you come from a financially very strong background, good for you. Maybe you have a trust fund and so you don't need to worry about taking care of the financial aspect. You know, more power to you. I'm very happy for you. Go and pursue it and just throw your heart into it. Don't be scared. Take risks. Go overseas. You know, go for roles that you don't think you are good enough for. Just go. Right, that's that's my advice. Um, but if and they're
1: thinking, do I, should I go and also get a real estate license? Or, the, 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 there'll be a portion of actors that are thinking about that as well. I guess. Yeah, or, or no, some, I, I totally some encourage that. the challenge finance.
2: was I've been trying to persuade some actors to do this, but a lot of actors have got this mental block. They, they feel like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not a salesman. I, I I can't. You know, it's not it's not me. And maybe they think it is uncool to be a real estate agent. Um. And what I want to say to them is that if you are not able to... Uh, throw yourself and take risks in your different jobs right how can i trust you as an actor to take risks in the roles that i cast you in i mean the thing is that it's about it's about the person it's about the mindset if you're not able to um to challenge yourself at every stage in, in your life and the thing is that if you're not willing to do what it takes to make it work if you're more worried about about the face, about what people will think of me, then about what I need to do to make it work so that I can actually f- uh, fuel my passion, then I'm not sure if your passion is strong enough, if you're not willing to do what it takes. That's how I feel. And I totally encourage... Actually, my challenge was trying to get actors to to do what I do because I see the benefits of it and I'm actually I'm actually enjoying the fruits of it and I feel like a lot of actors could do very well in real estate but I've been trying to get them to think about it and they don't, don't even want to think about it.
1: Realistically though, nobody's going to buy a house from you because they saw you on TV.
2: I mean, well the thing is that the good thing is that a lot of people who actually are in the position to buy properties now grew up watching my shows and they are now like in their 30s they actually have money now to actually invest in in a property yeah, but,
1: but they're not going to be like hey, I'm going to buy because Deborah tried to sell me and she's no, like, hey, not no
2: but because <laughs> there's a certain level of familiarity they feel yeah. like oh uh-huh. I, know, I know her and you'd be surprised how many people come up to me uh, clients and even other real estate agents come up to me and say I grew up watching your shows can I take a photo with you and, and and, and and it's that familiarity because they feel like you're a good person, you they can trust you. And because and there are a lot of real estate agents who only want to do, who are very self-focused on their own self-interest. They want to sell you something because they want to make that commission because, oh, this property are uh, paying very good commission. Uh, buy who or by crew, I'm going to get you to buy. But the thing is that because, partly because I do have that public um, uh, face, I do have a public persona, I have to be careful that I'm not Uh, that I conduct myself more ethically than other people because so many people do know me. And when people do come to me, they know that I'm not going to, um, you know, snoop them or try and sell them something that that is, you know, really lousy. Well, a part of it is it's so much money, a lot of them would do their own due diligence. And secondly, it's because that I do have to protect my own reputation as well. And that's why they tend to trust me more because they know that I'm somebody with a reputation that I cannot risk. So that's partly why I think I do the clients that actually do work with me, they they trust me because they they know that I will be ethical, that I that will be I will never do anything that will um, that is not. For their interest, of course, you know I make I make money in that transaction. But the thing is that I'm not making money only because it's about me making money. It's about me making sure that I offer you the best service that I help you actually think through what you need to think through.
1: So on that note of commission and so on, is it okay misconception or not? It's actually very lucrative.
2: Uh it can be, depending on the projects, right? So
1: Yeah, if you sell are Cove then yes
0: no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, I know so but if you're selling resale la, the owners can be quite stingy. They may not want to give you the you know, the market rate commission, they may slice your commission.
1: So is so, there a misconception or is it is is there a truth to that uh, perception?
2: I think real estate, it is lucrative when you do close a deal. However, you could go for many, many months without closing a single thing. So you do need to make sure that you're able to thong those months when you don't close anything. And people think that, oh, yeah, she just closed this, well, this deal and it's like, well, how many? $100,000 um, commission. But the thing is that the amount of money that you have to pump back into your business for, you know... And there's a lot of money involved. You know all the various subscriptions that you have to pay for, um, advertising, your marketing cost, and a lot of other costs, other hidden costs that you don't people don't see. It's actually a lot of money that people, most of us do spend into our business as well. You have also do need to treat it like a proper business. You need to focus on, on building the business as well. So it's not about, okay, now I've got my real estate license and people are just going to like fall at my feet and and give me business. It's not like that.
1: On that note, you're talking about how, you know, you're using, uh, how you're looking at, uh, you know, looking at as a business and looking at this long term and so on. Uh, I think long term, no doubt, the world is going to change. I think, uh, and right now, I think if you look at the way economies work, you know, we we see a lot of new instruments, a lot of new territories, uh, blockchain, for example, uh, cryptocurrencies, and so on. Um, how do you see this sort of future tools and future instruments impacting real estate in Singapore?
2: Oh, to be honest, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about um. Cryptocurrency and, and Bitcoin, all that kind yeah, of stuff. So,
0: yeah.
2: damn, I wish I knew more than, you know, <laughs> if I had I mean, like yeah, bought this... even one Bitcoin, I would be like so much richer.
1: <laughs> do you see like, blo- you know, do you see the, all these things coming into real estate, like, you know, the way it works? Like
2: At the moment, not really because I mean real estate right there's still a lot of rules around like uh, money laundering and anti-terrorism kind of thing so we do need to make sure that we check the, the source of funds to make sure that it is not to finance like um, you know anti-terrorism, uh, finance terrorism uh, efforts or, or whether they are, they are like laundering money so um, the thing about Bitcoin is that it's a bit hard to track the source of the money. If I understand it correctly, um, so I think it would still be hard to buy a house with Bitcoin right now, La. I mean,
1: I've been I've been looking at some some things in the I think overseas. easier yeah, like you can buy. Some companies are beginning to accept it as payment. Some are using blockchains to go and like you know advertise, sell and uh, and advertise their. Their their houses, you know, their properties and so on. So I was just you know yeah. just wondering I mean where that's, where that's, that's a go. very
2: interesting proposition. Um, I think in Singapore, not yet.
1: Anyway, back back to the business of real estate.
2: Uh, how so?
1: How important is it then? I mean, how how can a a new agent, for example, if they just join in, uh, let's say one of the actors you measure convince you join as a new agent and so on. What's the right way that they can they can start out? Uh, you know, if they you know on their first to find their first the the first uh, business.
2: Well, the first thing you need to do is to get that license, and it's not easy to get a real estate license right now because the, the government's trying to really control the the number of uh, real estate agents in the market, and it's a very saturated market. So, and it's not easy to pass the exam. So, the first thing you need to do is first of all go and take the exam and pass it. Take the course and then take the exam and pass that. And if you've actually got that done, that is actually a huge hurdle to cross. After that then um, then there is there's a lot of ways you can go about your business and you can be as creative as you want and yeah without giving too much away because you know yeah, yeah when you join there. me I will totally coach you and help
0: you be successful so, <laughs> long story short find Deborah find Deborah <laughs> so
1: yeah long story short Deborah is the right real estate team to to join up with uh, if you're a new agent
0: I'm very choosy <laughs> about who I who I I, uh, I work with. So you better approach her first, okay, and pitch yourself well. <laughs> and with always, we always ask all our guests these questions, right? Which brings us back to this podcast. This being a podcast by freelancers, for freelancers. So what advice would you give in general to freelancers about career and their money? I know you have given quite a bit for people to digest on in the past two episodes, uh, these two episodes. But... You know, if you just had to give one piece of advice, what would you give to them about their careers and their money?
2: I think if you don't have that sense of peace of mind that your money is uh, is coming in and taken care of, you will always come across as being slightly desperate and people will bully you and push your price down because they know you're desperate. So I think it's really important for a freelancer to make sure that you... Take take care of your uh the financial part of it. Whatever you do to, to do that, whether it's investing in uh real estate, whether it's in buying your own uh roof over your head, whether it's in um Bitcoin or whatever other uh, instruments that you use, I think it's important to make sure that you have your financial aspect thought through. Um, and as a freelancer, I think it's um. You want to be able to be free to focus on your passion. So, and you do need to really uh, do a bit of planning. Hand to mouth may be very romantic and may seem like, you know, shows that you are very passionate about what you do. But personally, for me, that would not be the option I choose for myself or for people that I. I care about. And the thing is that you also will put a lot of stress on the people who care for you if you only live from hand to mouth. You need to really think through a little bit about how you can um, manage your finances in the long run. And also, you you do need to think about retirement as well, even though you may be very young right now. But you never know when you might, like me, you know, get hit by a car and realize that, oh, I, 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 you know, I actually haven't thought about what will happen if I get hit by a car. As a 20-year-old, 30-year-old, maybe you, you think that you know, you're know you invincible, but you, you do need to plan for these things.
1: Debra, we asked all our guests this question, of course, uh, uh, for the last two seasons, we're going to do the same. Um, when were you, Debra, think the most uncool? And when what would you say to yourself then?
2: When was I uncool? I think when I was maybe the most
1: uncool. Most and uncool. What, and what would you say to yourself uh, if you could say to talk to yourself then?
2: Um. Okay. Well, you know, being cool was never something that I aspire to be. But when I was probably in like primary six, I used to wear like really thick glasses with like plastic rim kind of thing and, uh, but because I was also doing ballet and gymnastics and all that so I very quickly changed to contact lenses and um, yeah I think that leveled up in my, in my coolness uh, rating um, yeah but, but I mean the truth is um, yeah I never really thought very much about how important being cool is yeah,
1: and what you say to your most uncool self
2: what would I say to my most uncool self um it's like yeah, you know, more power to you. Cause you know one day the the, the uncool people will take over the world. Look at Steve Jobs, Bill Gates.
1: <laughs> so if you want to follow uh Deborah on her socials, uh, where can our listeners do that?
2: Okay, so for the real estate one, you can follow me at Instagram is DT property. That's D W E T W E property. And for my uh, personal Instagram, you can follow me at Deborah Ting underscore official. That's my name is spelled D-E-B-R-A-T-E-N-G underscore official. O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. And of course, I'm also on TikTok. Same, Deborah Ting underscore official. And Facebook is just Deborah Tang, and LinkedIn is Deborah Tang. YouTube is oh, I've got so many YouTube. Okay, for, for my real estate one is also DT Property. For my personal one is Deborah Tang, and for the productions that I do, it's Deborah Tang Productions. Yeah.
1: So, many, many purposes, you want to buy a house from Debra, go to DT Property. You want to see her cat videos, you go to, to Debra. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I
2: don't have cat videos. <laughs> okay.
1: okay. Alright, thank you. I and, need uh, a cat first. <laughs> so, uh, if you want to hear from our other guests uh, coming up on our new episodes, you want to catch up on our old episodes. Of course, just uh, drop us a like. Remember to click follow on the podcast, rate us five stars. Uh, Do tell your fans about us and do it with no worries because it is just cool to be uncool.
0: Uncool is recorded on Audio-Technica Mics.